Thank you, Ben. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that all of us sitting here this morning could truly say, it is well with my soul. No matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter what is going on with our friends, our families, maybe even in our own lives, in this moment, in this moment, all is well. We thank you that you are in this place. We're grateful too, Lord, that no matter where we go, even in our darkest times, you promise to meet us there. You've already gone before us to scope it out, to check it out, to be there when we arrive. That there is no place that we can go, as David says in the Psalms, no place that we can go that you are not there. And so because of that, we can say, in all circumstances, it is well with my soul. Lord, we are gathering on what we recognize as All Saints Sunday. And that's a, a, a bittersweet thing for us because we come to this place sad of those we have lost in previous years, but grateful that they are now in your presence. And grateful that because of our faith, we believe that someday we will be reunited with them, never to be parted again. And so we look forward to that future with hope. But this morning, Lord, there are two of our own folks, two of our members here in this beloved congregation that we have lost in this past year. Pat Richardson Steelhammer and Kenneth Locke. And so, Lord, we just want to pause right now just to remember their legacy, to celebrate their lives, and to think of the ways in which they enriched us. Lord, we also remember those who have gone on in previous years, those who are not part of this congregation but are still dear to us, family members, friends. Lord, we thank you for the great hope of Jesus. We thank you for the resurrection because without it, there would be no hope. Lord, as we gather this morning, we come with a true desire to worship you in spirit and in truth. But we know that there are some things that are keeping that from happening this morning because we've made some mistakes this week. We have sinned in thought, in word, in deed. We have done things and left things undone, both intentionally and unintentionally. And we know that because of these mistakes that we have put up, a barrier, however big it is, we have put up a barrier in between you and us. Like Adam and Eve who ran and hid from you after their mistakes, we too are hiding from you. And we want to come out of hiding this morning. And so we want to just confess these sins to you. 
we lay them before you and we trust in the word that if we are willing to confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive them. And so we claim that forgiveness this morning. Lord, we ask that you watch over those who are needing a healing touch this morning. Those among us who are sick, Pastor Emily, who is home sick right now. We pray for swift healing for her and for all others, those closest to us that we, we carry some burdens in this morning. Our, our uh, wives and mothers and sisters that are out on the retreat right now, we ask that you bring them home safely. We're thankful that they could go. We ask for a safe return for them. Lord, we want to lift out, uh, call out to you names right now of, of uh, folks and situations that are heavy on our hearts because we want to unburden ourselves. Much in the way that we confess our sins, we also give these burdens to you. So Lord, hear our prayer as we call them out to you now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. J. Paul Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Lord, please receive these names and the unspoken names before you now. Help us to find peace in knowing that you have got it under control and that you are working toward the good of those who love you. And we love you, Lord, and so we're going to claim that. As we worship you now, we pray that you would be honored and glorified in all things. And it is in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. See, I'm going to ask our kids to come up. Thank you. No, I already did it. Thanks, buddy. All right, everybody get around this. Get around this strange thing. Anybody know what this is? Don't answer because you guys were at the first service. Do you know what this is? Any ideas? You think there's water in there? Maybe you're right. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Whoa, there is water in there. Okay, why do we have a strange wooden box with water in it? A baptismal font, isn't it? What does that mean? What does it mean? What is it? What do we do in baptism? What is baptism? Okay, baptism, we think, we believe, is this time in which God gives us good gifts if we are willing to receive the water in the baptist font. Now, it's just normal water. In fact, look at that. It's, it's not even very clean, is it? It's terrible. Touch, touch that. Touch that. What does it feel like? 
feels cold? Does it feel special? Does it feel like magic water or anything? Kind of. What does it feel? I got to feel that. It feels like normal water to me. Cold, wet, just like anything maybe you'd put in your cup and drink, although I wouldn't drink that because your hands have been in there now. But we think, yeah, there's little bits of wood in there. We think that the water itself is not special. It's what God does when we receive this through faith. And so we're talking about baptism today, and we're going to baptize Jalen, who's sitting back there today, and he's going to receive the gifts of God. And so we're excited about that. And so we want to thank God that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and that he commanded that we be baptized too, okay? So let's pray. God, we are thankful for the example of Jesus, who when he went down in the water, he heard a voice from heaven say, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. And that when we go down into the water, you say that same thing over us. We thank you for that gift. We ask that you would continue to bless us, bless our families and our friends. Please bless our pets and please continue to bless this awesome church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, you guys can go back with your parents or you can go to class, whichever you choose. Okay. Our scripture reading today comes from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. If you've been with us for some time, you know that we are using the narrative lectionary, which starts in Genesis and works its way through and kind of hits some of the high points of the story of God's people. We've been looking at the grand narrative of the story of God's people. And so we talk about big events like Noah and the flood and Abraham, the promise of Abraham and King David. Today's story is a little bit different in that it kind of focuses in on one tiny bit of the story that usually gets overlooked. We don't talk about it very much, although Jesus did reference this one time when he was preaching. So it is an important story, but this is the story of Naaman. Here now, a word from God. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. 
But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, Wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm ask Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace. We're talking about grace today. You all know grace. It's the name of our church. Grace Church, right? Grace, the free gifts of God. No strings attached. No VIP list uh, for worthy recipients. No suggested donation at the end. Just a free and clear gift to either accept or reject. Why do we wrestle with that concept? Why do we wrestle with the idea that God wants to give us free gifts? What is it within the human experience that we say there's got to be more to it than that? You know the old saying, nothing in life is free, right? Our central character, Naaman, today, he had a hard time grasping grace. He was a Syrian army commander looking for a miracle in a foreign land, and he was offered a free gift from God that he just could not believe. And I wonder if maybe in looking at Naaman's story, we might be able to find out how we can make sure we don't stumble on these same things that Naaman stumbled upon. But before we look at Naaman, we've got to backtrack because we are doing the narrative lectionary. And last week, we were with King Solomon. Remember King Solomon, who started off really strong and asked for a wise and uh, perceptive heart to administer justice to God's people. Started off strong. I hate to tell you, I'm going to spoil the story. Solomon ended poorly. We talked about how David passed on bad ideas to his sons and never really cleared that up. Solomon's sons were the same way. They learned bad habits from their dad. And when Solomon passed away and his son took over the throne, rather than lead the people well, he actually drove a wedge between them, which resulted in a permanent divorce, north and south. Ten tribes in the north, two in the south, a king to rule in the north, a king to rule in the south, central places of worship in the north, of course the temple in the south that Solomon had built, one big family divided over stupid things like taxes and unfair labor practices. And for the moment, it seems as though God's plan to use Abraham's descendants to bless the whole world was falling apart at the seams. But God is the master of making lemonade out of lemons. And so he took 
what was available and used both kingdoms in mighty, mighty ways. In our story today, we're in the north where a prophet named Elisha lived. As all prophets do, he gave words of critique and words of comfort, trying as best he could to keep the people on track. He was known for his healing. And so it appears that there is a man in the northern part of Israel who can heal him of his leprosy. He packs his bags and he heads down to see Elisha. And God was more than willing to give Naaman what he sought if Naaman would be willing to accept it by the method that God would give it. And that's the rub, isn't it? That's the trick. Can we recognize and accept the modes and the methods by which God gives us good gifts? You know, when I read this story, I saw three things that that Naaman perhaps didn't understand, misunderstood, tried to complicate, whatever you want to say. Three ways in which Naaman kind of messed up or tried to mess up the free gift of God. The first is he sets off, when he packs his bags and sets off, to see Elisha, we're told that he packs, uh, in today's equivalent, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 new suits from Suit Supply. I mean, it's obvious right off the bat, Naaman is expecting to go down to pay for this miracle that the prophet or perhaps the God of Israel would require some kind of payment, and he's ready to pay. Because nothing in life is free, because money talks, because of all the ways we talk about money in this world. Naaman was taking those worldly concepts and applying them to God, the God of Israel. And I think about how televangelists know that we have this this problem in the human heart. And so they prey upon that and and they tell us, if you will just send us your money, we will forward a blessing to you. We'll send you a, a, a prayer anointed prayer cloth, a, you know, prayed over from the land of uh, Israel or whatever. Just send us your money and you will be blessed. But the first lesson here that we all know, but we forget is that grace cannot be bought, right? Grace is not for sale ever, 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 ever. Grace cannot be bought. It is a free gift from God. Second thing I notice is that when Naaman is directed to Elisha's house, he pulls up with his chariots and his commanders and they park their caravan at the door of Elisha and wait for the prophet to come out. And instead, Elisha sends some messenger out. He hobbles out the door and he says, oh yeah, go down to the Jordan River and, and take a bath and you'll be good. And Naaman is flabbergasted. He says, surely I thought for me, for me, that he would come out and that he would stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands about like this and something magnificent would happen. Naaman expected fireworks. He he expected incantations. He, He wanted something grandiose and showy. And instead, he gets a word, go dip in the muddy Jordan River and you'll be good to go. He says, shoot, the rivers back home are prettier than this one. I could have saved a trip and just taken a bath at home. 
and he is offended. He is offended at the method by which the miracle will come. And I think about how we have expectations about what grace should look like or how it should unfold. I think about how certain expressions of Christianity are super popular because in those expressions, we see some of those things, those grandiose fireworks displays, and we go, surely God is in the midst here. Surely God is at work. And I will admit, sometimes grace comes in fantastic displays. There's no doubt about it. But sometimes, sometimes grace comes in simple moments, moments that seem too mundane, too simplistic, beneath me. And so the second lesson that we learn here is that God's grace cannot be boxed. It cannot be prejudged by its appearance. Grace comes in all forms and fashions and ways. Naaman turns around in a huff and starts heading back home. His servant has the foresight to go to him and try to reason with him. And he says, you know, Naaman, if the prophet had asked you to do something difficult, you would have done it in a heartbeat. Why in the world would you turn down a simple order to dip yourself in the Jordan River? Which tells me the servant knew Naaman well. Naaman is willing to jump through hoops. It's hard, though, to accept something for which you have not worked. And perhaps this is the biggest stumbling block for all of us. Because all of us have this mindset that if I work really, really hard, if I put in the effort, if I make sure that I don't owe anyone anything, if I make the promises to God that I will work and do the things that I know He wants, then God will respond the way I want God to respond. I think about all the memes that I saw on Facebook last night from different churches that were saying, hey, all you who prayed for a miracle in the ninth inning last night, church starts at 10.30 tomorrow, right? All the folks that were offering up deals with God, if you'll let the Astros win, boy, I'll be at church bright and early. Grace doesn't work that way, folks. The entire point of grace is that we cannot earn it. Paul tells us the difference between a wage and a gift. And grace is a gift, not something that can be earned, not something that can be won. We know these things. We've been told them in church our whole lives. We know grace is free, but we forget. And we revert back to these old ways. And I think in doing so, sometimes we actually put a wedge or a stumbling block in between the means of grace, the ways in which God wants to give us good things. We, we, we say it just can't be that simple or I haven't worked or I, I haven't earned it or, or it's too simple, too mundane. And so we turn away from the things that God wants to give us. Once Naaman was able to swallow his pride and do something as uneventful and simple as bathing in the muddy Jordan River, grace was his. We are told that his flesh was restored. In fact, it was, it was made like a young boy. How much money do we spend on creams at CVS, right? We didn't know. All we had to do was go dip in the Jordan River. But more than that, the way that, that Elisha says it, if you'll, if you'll bathe in the river, you will be clean. 
it wasn't just that his leprosy was gone. He was made clean somehow, some way. And as Naaman comes up out of the water and sees that he's been restored, his first thought is to get to the prophet's house to proclaim, now I know that there is no other God in all the earth except for the one right here in Israel. And yet, and yet, just to be sure, Naaman says, by the way, I have all this silver and gold I'd really like to give you just to secure this, just to make sure this is a done deal. I'm so glad Elisha said no. Elisha said, God doesn't want your money. This is a free gift, Naaman. Take it and go in peace. Now, I didn't pick this text, right? This is the narrative lectionary. I didn't select this text. This is the one that was handed to me for this week. And the irony is not lost on me that today's text is about God specifically delivering free gifts through water. And we are getting ready to baptize a young man back here. And we're going to baptize him in a fiberglass tub with hose water. Right? Hose water. There's nothing special or flashy about it. Jalen hasn't paid me on the side. He hasn't uh, performed certain tricks or jumped through certain hoops to obtain this baptism. It's a free gift. And when Jalen comes out of that water in just a moment, God will announce to all of us, to the cosmos, that he is fully restored and pronounced clean. God will claim Jalen as his own son in whom he is well pleased, positioned to receive all the family benefits. He will be brought into the life of the church, counted as one of God's covenant people. Today as all saints, he will become part of this great cloud of witnesses that we believe exists. The church universal. And all of this is a free gift from God that can never, ever, ever be taken away. Can never be taken away. And the beauty is the same thing goes for us. When we were baptized, the same gifts were given to us. And so this is why I placed a small font in the narthex as you come into the sanctuary. I've had people come up and say, are we turning Catholic now? What is this? What's this, this, this water up here, this holy water? No, we're not turning Catholic. I just think it's really, really important for us to remember what God has done for us in simple things like hose water. And so when you see that water on your way in or way out, you can just simply dip your finger in there and feel the water, just like the children did up here. Just feel it. If you want to touch your forehead and say, thank you, God, for my baptism. Even if you were a small child or an infant when it happened, remember what God has claimed over you in that moment that was true for all time. Thank you, Lord, for my baptism. You see, God's grace can't be bought. It can't be boxed. It can't be earned. Grace comes in simple and profound ways. There are never, ever strings attached. But thankfulness is an appropriate response. It comes in things like hose water and Walmart bread and juice. It comes in the scriptures 
and in your prayer time. It comes from your annoying neighbor. It flows from you to others. It's available to anyone with eyes to see and heart that will pause to receive the things that God has for them in whatever form it comes. And so may we be as those who will humble themselves to receive the good gifts of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to ask Jalen to come up. This is Jalen Wilson. He expressed a desire a couple weeks ago to receive the good things of God. You want you want to just go in like this? Yeah, I will. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? And I'll even give you the answers. And then I'm going to ask you all some questions too. Jalen, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If you do, say, I do. I do. Jalen, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If you do, say, I do. I do. And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord, in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. If you do, say, I do. I do. And you folks, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If you do, say, we do. We do. And will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include Jalen in your care? If you will, say, we will. We will. Amen. Okay, Jalen, come around here. I'm going to take this off of here. There's some steps over on the side. If you want to take your shoes off, you can. I warned him. To, I tried to get the water warm, but it's really cold. For you. you can take off your socks. Come on in. God, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and Jalen, who's about to receive it, to wash away his sin. You just step down there. To clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory. Amen. You doing okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just going. You can sit down. Yep. And I'm just going to lean you back in the water. All right, Jalen. It is my honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, work in you. For being born of water and spirit, you may become a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
I know it is. I'm sorry. I don't want to get water on your carpet. Oh, it's no. I put this down for you. It's no. good. Here's two towels, okay? Yeah, don't worry about it. All right, brother. Thank you. Amen. Make sure you give him a hug. Okay. We're going to have communion. If you want to go get changed, you can and come back and take communion, okay? All right. If there is anybody here today who has not received the free gifts of God, I urge you to talk to somebody next to you. Come talk to me. Let's find out what is keeping you because it's a free gift. Amen? Amen. With that, will you grab the hand of the person next to you? Let's make a big chain across this place and receive this blessing. My brothers and sisters, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved You are completely forgiven and you are uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do that, no doubt you're going to make some mistakes because we always do. And I need you to know when you make those mistakes, there is nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. Because God's love cannot be bought or boxed or earned. It is simply a free gift of His grace. And it is by grace that He looks at you and says, My beloved, I love you exactly where you are, and I love you too much to leave you there. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.